Hello, welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is the show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. Hello, base campers. I hope you're all doing well. Today's episode is, in my estimation, an extremely valuable one. My guest has an expert-level knowledge of health, viruses, and how our immune system functions in relation to those viruses. It seems we've all had to become our own citizen journalists and health experts through all this, and maybe that's the whole point. I think it's starting to dawn on a growing portion of the population that they have unwittingly taken part in an experiment where if you took any of the experimental mRNA shots, you were part of the clinical group, the unvaccinated being the control group. It sucks, I know, that there's this divide, but it's staring right at all of us, isn't it? As a writer and a podcaster who has his sleeves rolled up on behalf of humanity, I'm always on the lookout for resources for our hero's journey. And when I say our, I don't just mean the unvaccinated. I have a lot of people that I care about in both groups, and I seek to assist each one as I'm able to. I think this is an episode that those who chose to be part of the clinical group will find very valuable. There are resources here that I've been looking for for you. I wish each of you a long, healthy, and prosperous life. Let's go sit around the fire with our excellent guest today. My guest today is Dr. Kevin Stillwagon. Kevin is a longtime airline pilot with Delta and a retired chiropractor. He was forced to retire from the airlines for refusing to wear a mask and then proceeded to speak out against mandatory masks and vaccines at school boards, county commissioner meetings, and freedom rallies. Here is my interview with Dr. Kevin Stillwagon. All right, I am here with Kevin Stillwagon, pilot. Uh, retired chiropractor, Kevin Stillwagon. Kevin, welcome to Base Camp for Men. It is great to have you on the show. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to a really lively discussion today. Yeah, me too. You know, I found your work. Uh, uh, one of my former guests passed along your information. Um, I've been interviewing a number of guests around the vaccine uh, and the vaccine story. Some have been injured. Some have interesting insights. You're certainly in that camp. Um, and so I guess just to start off with, just give us a little bit of a background because you have a really interesting background. You're, I saw in your bio, you're both a pilot and a chiropractor, retired right. chiropractor, but that's that's an interesting one-two punch. You usually don't see that side-by-side -side in a bio. So I guess just yeah. maybe just give us a little uh, background, where you're at, uh, how long you flew for, uh, you know, when you practice chiropractic medicine and all that. Yeah, so um, I've always wanted to be a pilot. That was my dream, uh, even as a, a small child. And so um, I started flying at the age of 15. And wow. my father, who was a chiropractor, was also learning to fly at the same time. So we learned to fly together, which was, uh, you know, a huge father-son bonding thing that we did. In fact, uh, we got our instrument ratings and our commercial ratings and our multi-engine ratings on the same day wow. uh, which is highly highly unusual but anyway you know my father being a chiropractor uh he knew that i wanted to be a pilot but he also wanted me to become a chiropractor so i decided to do both i uh i went to chiropractic college uh, in the late 70s i graduated uh, valedictorian of my class in 1980 and my father was also valedictorian of his class in 1955 hmm. so then I went into practice with my father uh, in 1980 and I practiced with him full-time uh, for seven years but hmm. during that time I was also hanging around at the airport because uh, you know I wasn't married I was a young man and, you know Footloose, fancy free, what have you. I also uh, was part owners in an airplane. So I was basically an airport bum, you know. Sure. And uh, having as much fun as I could uh, in airplanes. And uh, I got to be uh, some friends with airline pilots. And uh, I, I found out that, you know, as an airline pilot, uh, you can actually structure your own schedule. And, mm -hmm. you know, I was, I was talking to this one friend of mine as a pilot. Uh, he was uh, basically not flying much at all. And he said, you know, if you do this right, you, you could do both. 
And so I, I really thought long and hard about that and thought, you know what, I, I think I can do this. I think I can make this work. And so I got my airline transport pilot rating and I started to build hours in uh, turbo jets uh, so that I could get the qualifications to actually be hired by an airline and started putting on applications. And you know, I started flying for a major airline back in 1987. And I did do both. Uh, for a while, uh, I was, uh, you know, uh, trading my my trips down, uh, you know, my five day trips. In other words, you know, when you when you fly as a pilot, normally you fly three, four, five day trips. Well, I was trading those trips down for just one day trips, so I was spending more time in the office and less time in the cockpit of a of a jet airliner for you know an airline. But over time, I, I found that I was still having more fun in the cockpit. So I decided to, uh, you know, just give up the chiropractic uh, in 1987 or actually it was 1989. I, I did both for a couple of years, uh, 87 through 89. So in 1989, I decided to just stop practicing altogether and, uh, you know, spend all of my time as an airline pilot. Mm-hmm. And it's, so, funny, it's, it's, it's funny in your telling of it when you're practicing both, but you're still hanging out at the airport, you know, you could just see that that was really your love more more than the chiropractic work. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, you know, I encourage, you know, parents that are, you know, watching their kids and their their kids are kind of confused on what they want to do with the rest of their life. You know, the, the whole idea of having a successful life is really not about the money. It's about having fun and enjoying what you do. And so really focus on that, you know, find out what what your kids really, really enjoy doing. And I'm not talking about sitting in front of the TV playing video games. I'm talking about productive things. Yeah. And uh, that's what you should try to encourage them, focus them on. That's great. So, so, so you're flying for, who were you flying for when COVID hit? Was it Delta? It was Delta Airlines. So Okay. So you're a Delta pilot. Hold on. Uh, And... COVID hits, you know, um, and all of a sudden we've got, you know, mask mandates coming down. Uh, we've got vaccine mandates coming down for you guys and for a lot of other industries and medical industries. Um, what what was your experience like that uh, as a pilot? What happened? Uh, how did you react? How did they react to your reaction? Like kind of set us up with the whole COVID uh, story from the perspective of a Delta pilot uh, and chiropractor. Right. So, you know, I had had experiences uh, before in the airline industry, you know, with supposed pandemics Mm. Um, and you, you would see it all over the news and it was, you know, scare tactics, but I noticed right away that, that this one was entirely different. This one was uh, worldwide focused Yep. And just trying to scare the daylights out of people, convincing them that if you came in contact with this virus, it would kill you. Yep. And, you know, I started to see people wearing masks in airports and on airplanes. And you know, I thought this this is not a good thing. It's it's fear mongering and, mm-hmm. and people are, are buying into it. They're falling into this trap. Yep. And so I started to talk to my chief pilots right away. And I said, look, you, you cannot be you know, forcing people to wear masks on airplanes. And I, I can see it coming. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. And I explained to them that, you know, a mask does not stop the spread of any respiratory virus. Mm-hmm. It says so right on the box. Yep. And, you know, the idea of a mask, and I learned this in my pre-med, the idea of a mask is not to stop the spread of any illness. It's to stop the uh, the doctor or the nurse or the first responder from slobbering into an open wound. And it's also to stop all of the bodily fluids that are usually spraying around in a room where there's a lot of emergency going on um, from getting in their face. And that's the reason for the mask. It is not to stop the spread of an illness. And I said, so what you're basically going to be doing if you mandate this is you're going to be, uh, you know, putting an airway restricting device 
And they, they kept saying, well, it's just a mask. No, it's not just a mask. It's a, it's a medical device that restricts airflow. So you're going to be forcing people to put this thing on their face. And some of these people should never wear a mask. You know, they might have emphysema, they might have asthma, COPD. Uh, you know, maybe they are claustrophobic and they're going to get very anxious about having something like that restrictive on their face. I said, it's just not a good idea. Yep. I said, plus you're, you're encouraging me to wear one. I said, I'm not going to do it because uh, it is a, an airflow restricting device. It does build up carbon dioxide. And I said, you've never done any studies to show how this could affect the reaction time of pilot. And I said, it's, it's a safety thing for me. I'm not, I'm not going to wear it. I'm not going to put it on. Yep. And uh, so that was early in the game and they, they knew how I stood on this and uh you know, more and more pilots are wearing masks, and now the flight attendants are wearing masks, but I'm not wearing one. So I get a call from uh, two chief pilots on, on a layover, and they, they gave me the edict. They said, you absolutely have to wear the mask. And I said, I'm not doing it. I said, well, you can't work here anymore. So that was basically the end of my career, and that happened in uh, June of 2020 is when that happened. And I could see... The, the the shot was going to come right after that. So yeah. as soon as they let me go, uh, I started to speak out uh, very loudly at uh, school board meetings about masking children, mm -hmm. possibility of a mandated shot, warning about that. I did this at school board meetings. I did it at city council meetings. Um, I did it at uh, delegation meetings, uh, you know, for uh, our state representatives. I just became very vocal. And some of those uh, tirades that I went on were videoed, and some of them got onto the Internet. Went viral. Yeah. And so the next thing you know, uh, people are contacting me to speak to their groups. And so one thing led to another, and then I started – uh, writing on Substack and, you know, making more videos and putting them on Rumble. And so that's where I am today. That's great. So, Good know, for you. Thank you for me you. Is, is education. Yeah, I just want to educate people. That's that's my deal. Well, we, we need to see, uh, you know, we need to see Americans standing in their principles as well. You know, it's I mean, I live in Seattle. My God, was it a. Oh, sea of conformity when it came to the masks. Um, you know, I would just get pastored at the store, you know, because I wasn't going along with it. Um, right. And yeah, and it's, yeah, the the whole, people are starting to realize, you know, I work at a, at an athletic club and, um, you know, somebody, there was another member that was in there recently uh, and he goes, I go, Hey, how you doing? And he goes, you know, well, not so good. I'm going to a another funeral today. And I go, Oh my God. I go, have you, have you gone to a lot of them? <clears throat> and, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of people there that did take the vaccine. It's, it's a very yeah. liberal, it's a very liberal area. And a lot of people just took it, you know? Um, and he goes, yeah, this is my 15th funeral in the past 14 months. And I went, Holy moly. He goes, now yeah. some of these people are elderly but not as many as you might think. And right. then, you know, somebody that was next to him goes, do you think the vaccine? And I, so I'm very curious as to, I know what I think it is, but I'm curious to what, how they're putting it together. His friend goes, do you think the vaccine has, is causing it? And he goes, well, I don't know if it's causing it, but it's definitely not helping. So I think for the normies out there, it's starting to dawn on them that all of these sudden deaths, all this myocarditis, all these athletes that are collapsing, it's almost like they don't want to admit, yep, it's the vaccine, but right. it's, it, it's, it's, it's arriving in their awareness. They just are kind of couching it as like, well, I think it might be, you know, and that's as far as they're at right now. But I saw something on your Substack. I'm going to read it real quick. So this is something on your Substack that I grabbed. It said, uh, by now, everyone who is paying attention has realized that something is amiss with the COVID-19 gene therapy shots. I like it that you didn't call it vaccine there. 
You've probably seen reports of severe adverse reactions up to and including death, reports of people of all ages dying suddenly in their sleep, and athletes of both sexes at the peak of physical condition collapsing in practice or in competition. These conditions we are learning are not caused by the virus. Rather, they are caused directly by the contents of the vials or because of a significantly weakened immune system from taking shot after shot. There's another cohort, however, that we need to think about in case you're not aware. This group is the aviation industry, and this article will focus on the cockpit crew in the aircraft that gets you safely where you want to go. So you got out before, and you didn't take the vaccine, correct? That's right. Yeah, and but they were forced to. Were there, were there many that decided, I'm not doing it, or were they immediately dismissed if they weren't going to get the vaccine? Well, it varied from airline to airline. Okay. Um, at Delta Airlines, uh, they never did uh, technically mandate the vaccine, but they mm. pressured it and sure. they incentivized pilots to go out and get the shot. And, uh, you know, what they did was uh, was coercion, and it's not legal. I mean, they were, they were paying these pilots thousands of dollars of extra money to go out and get the shot early. Yeah. And, you know, their goal was to have, you know, the entire pilot force vaccinated. Right. Uh, which is, uh, you know, it's a stupid idea. And I'll get into the physiology of why that is. But, you know, it's everything they did was illegal. Mm-hmm. And you can't you can't force an experimental product into your workforce. You just you just can't do that. It's it's against uh human principles and it's mm-hmm. against the Nuremberg f- code for heaven's sakes. Absolutely. Know, just, yeah. So what do you what do you think's going on? You know, there was the the death of remember those British airline pilots? There was like two yeah. or three of them right bunched together. Yeah. And and the media over there was really they did I don't know if I saw a vaccine as a possibility or mRNA shots. I don't think they even, you know, if they hinted at it, it wasn't much. They were definitely not wanting to, people to start putting two to, two together, but people are already figuring it out. Yeah. Um, are they testing? Like, what are you, what is your thoughts on? Are they testing the pilots? How do, how do they test to see if pilots are safe right now? Well, they're not, they're not doing that. And, okay. Uh, that's, that's what we need to, uh, and encourage people to join an organization that I'm on the board of. It's called U.S. Freedom Flyers. So mm-hmm. you just go to usfreedomflyers.org and join. It's free to join. And there's a lot of information on there about what's going on with the shot, uh, how it's affected aviation safety on all levels, not just pilots. Yeah. But uh, flight attendants, mechanics, air traffic controllers, everyone that's involved in flight safety has been affected by this. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, the FAA has recognized that there's a problem. Uh, recently, they put out what's called a safety alert for operators. That's called SAFO, safety alert for operators. They put this out uh, just a few weeks ago on March the 22nd. They have seen a significant uptick in, uh, they, they call these near misses. In other words, they're, they're signals that, you know, safety is degrading. In other mm. words, uh, you know, we're, we're having aircraft that are getting too close to each other, either in the air or on the ground. Now, is this a combination of pilot error and air traffic control error, or could there be something going on with the shot? Mm. And my thought is that until proven otherwise, it is the shot mm-hmm. because all of these signals that we're seeing are definitely tied to the rollout of the shot that was mandated into flight crews starting in January of 2021. And uh, I I looked at pilot deaths. I did an in-depth study on uh, pilot deaths that were published in uh, the Airline Pilots Association magazine. It's a monthly publication uh, where the families can elect to honor their deceased by you know publishing their name in the magazine mm-hmm. and so i started all the way back in 2019 january of 2019 and i compiled all of the deaths that were reported in the magazine up through uh just last month uh through the end of uh april and i was looking to see if there was a significant uh uptick in the numbers of pilots that were dying and there was a slight 
increase that started in January of 2021 is about a 2.3% increase, which is not really that significant because mm-hmm. you can have that much of a fluctuation from year to year uh, for no reason at all. But what I did see, and it is definitely significant, is starting in January of 2021, there was a 40% increase in the incidences of pilots that were dying before the age of normal retirement. In other words, prior to that time, the majority of the pilots that that were dying were old guys that had been retired for many years. And now all of a sudden we're seeing a 40% increase in the numbers of pilots that were dying while they were still employed. Wow, that is a huge number. It is huge. It's a huge number. And uh, since that time, we've also seen a significant uptick in uh, the numbers of pilots that are filing for uh, uh, disabilities. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's that's increased uh, 300 percent at American Airlines. And uh, it increased significantly at Delta Airlines as well. And I'm hearing that they're also seeing the same uh, signal at Southwest Airlines. So this is is industry-wide. It's affecting uh, everybody in the aviation industry, not only the employees, but also the traveling public. And uh, so there's... uh, you know, there's a there's there's a shortage of flight crews right now. That's that's affecting your travel schedule. Mm-hmm. That's why these flights you'll see get canceled for no apparent reason. You know, they're blaming it on the weather, but it's not. Right. It's uh, it's it's problems with staffing right now. They just they just can't get the the qualified flight crews to cover the flights. Hmm. And so, yeah, it's it's a significant problem. And uh, you know, again, until. Proven otherwise, uh, I'm going to say it's the shot. Absolutely. Well, this. and I, I never thought of what you had said earlier about, you know, you hear a lot about sudden death and blood clotting and myocarditis and these different things. But, yeah. you know, th- today was a first day that I thought, well, it could really impair your cognitive ability. And, maybe, yeah, it can. and, and that's like one of those, <clears throat> it's difficult to. Well, it's not difficult to test. They they could test to see if pilots are still sharp uh, cognitively. Um, but I I haven't really thought about that there could be cognitive decline from the mRNA shot, um, and if that's part of its makeup. I mean, you hear a lot of stuff. Uh, I'm going to read you something that I grabbed, um, and this is this is a little. Tin Hattie, but it's it's in the conversation, and this is a quote. And I'll get your thoughts on this after I read it. This is from uh, former Vice President at Pfizer. Do you know him, Doctor Mike Yeadon? Yeadon. Yes, yes. I've met Doctor Mike Yeadon in person. And, yes, and, and both he and his wife. Yes, I've met them both. Yeah, be- beautiful. So he says on the sequence of events which led him to conclude that the so-called quote-unquote pandemic was planned and coordinated in advance by unelected globalist bodies like the World Health Organization and the World Economic Forum as a justification to deliberately depopulate the planet via the lethal mRNA injections. And he says, quote, we're facing something much worse than an alleged virus. The injuries from people from the so-called vaccines, I wish I could tell you it was accidental, but I'm convinced that these injections have been made to injure people, to maim and kill deliberately. So that's that's a little different angle than what we're what we've been talking about, but um, it's in there. I mean, I think people, there's a group of people that maybe don't trust big pharma because maybe they value value their health, but they don't want to go over to that camp, which is basically there's some globalists that don't like humanity very much and they're eugenicists and they're trying to trim the population deliberately. Um, But it's a possibility. And, and so I wanted to get your thoughts on it. You've met him. You probably heard him speak. Um, and then there's also, there's a camp that just is flat out like, oh yeah, of course they're doing this to us. Right. There's just no question. It's so obvious. So, you know, you can go both ways or you can have a foot in each one is like, well, that might be going on, but I, you know, I just don't want to take the you know vaccine because I feel like it's not good for me or it hasn't been properly tested. There's plenty of people that don't go into the World Economic Forum uh, trashing. Um, I do from time to time because I see kind of what their motives are. Um, it's a lot of money and a lot of power. 
Um, but I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Do you think it's an accidental, you know, thing? Do you think it's very deliberate um, in its rollout? Um, it was sure odd to me that this so-called vaccine uh, was experimental. It had never been done. And at the same time, didn't stop the transmission of the of this, the virus that, that was supposed to stop. So that that was a that was something that raised my eyebrows as well as as well as a lot of other people. So I get your thoughts on that. Um, where do you land on all that? Yeah, you know, I, I used to think that the depopulation agenda was uh, conspiracy, also, but I, I don't sure. think that anymore. I, I absolutely believe that it is in fact deliberate. And the reason I say that is because the mRNA technology shots that they're making right now, and they got dozens of them in the pipeline, man, they're, they're going to be coming at us fast and furious. In fact, they're looking at one right now for the flu, and they want to start putting this into people on a yearly basis just for the flu. Mm -hmm. The danger is with mRNA technology, you are instructing your body to make a protein, okay? And that protein is going to be circulating in your blood and in your lymph. Mm -hmm. The problem is, Tony, the proteins that these shots are making are bioactive proteins. That means they will attach to receptors that line your blood vessels. This is not good mm -hmm. because your immune system will react to that. When it sees that these abnormal proteins that are created by the shot are attaching to cells in your body, your immune system will attack those cells and destroy them. It will create pathology mm. every time. So all of these shots are going to end up causing Irritation along the blood vessel walls, that's called vasculitis, that can result in uh, small aneurysms and hemorrhages. Mm -hmm. And if these occur in a bad place, like in your brain, well, then you end up having a stroke. Mm -hmm. And if it occurs in a bad place like your heart, then you end up having myocarditis, yeah. you see. So... All of these shots that are mRNA technology shots are going to do that. And the reason, again, is because they're making a protein that is bioactive. A lot of these so-called vaccines that you know, they were using prior to the mRNA technology, uh, they weren't really bioactive proteins. They were proteins on other parts of the virus that don't necessarily attach to the cell. Mm -hmm. And they just float around in your blood and, and your uh, your immune system will make antibodies against those things. And it wasn't nearly as dangerous. It was still dangerous, but not nearly as dangerous as it is now. Mm -hmm. So all of these uh, mRNA technology shots are going to end up creating pathologies in the body. And it's either going to be vascular or it's going to be uh, neural, which is mm -hmm. going to affect, uh, you know, the way your nervous system works, uh, you know, it could cause paralysis, which is like Guillain-Barre syndrome that we see happening in some people. It could be yeah. tremors. Uh, it could be uh, dementia, even uh, right. inability to think properly. So, yeah, it's it's a very, very dangerous technology. Uh, I don't think anybody should be putting this stuff into their body, even animals. It, it should be immediately rejected. This mRNA technology—it's not—it's not a good thing. It's, well, they're, it's gonna, they're they're shooting it into cattle in some places. They I've are. Heard, they are. You know, so putting, you, you got to be careful. You got to do some research, even on the meat you're eating right now, if you don't want to get any of that stuff. So yeah, yeah I know they're they're putting it into pigs too. Yeah, and, uh, yeah it's funny. It's, I I I read a couple of books recently, and and it. You know, I think I was, you know, as as curious as I am and and I've got the kind of the mind of a citizen journalist or a truther, however you want to frame that, you know, I think I I started to look I I was never considering taking this for all the reasons we've talked about, but I still kind of thought the vaccines I had gotten up to, you know, as a kid was essential and was really vital for me. And the more I read about it, the more I'm like, I don't know if I really needed to get those either. And you know, people are like, well, you might have gotten polio. 
But yeah. the more I read okay. about it, the more I'm like, you know what? There was a lot of unnecessary shots, most likely, that I was exposed to. And certainly my son. I mean, we didn't really wake up to this until, you know, COVID. So, uh, but I'm 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 a little skeptical of the whole, you know, the whole program at this point. Um, well, I mean, you should be. Yeah. And every And everybody should be. And let me explain it to you this way. Mm-hmm. The goal of all of these shots called vaccines is to create what's called an antibody. The antibody is always inside of you. It circulates in your blood and in your lymph. It cannot prevent you from getting an infection. It is physically impossible and physiologically impossible. They can't do that. They never could. Mm. Fauci knew it. Walensky knew it. They all knew it. So people have been lied to for decades. They've been told and they believe that if you get these shots, that you will not get an infection, that it will protect you. That's not how these shots are designed to work. The shots are designed to create an antibody that's inside of you that's waiting for the infection. It will react to the infection. So the idea is that whatever it is that infects you, whatever gets through the barrier that separates the outside of you from the inside of you, Whatever gets through that barrier, if it's a virus or a bacteria or a toxin, like from being bitten by a snake or something like that, Mm -hmm. whatever gets through that barrier is now in your blood. Now, Now it's in you. Well, the antibody is there to block that so that it does not affect other cells. So that idea does work, but it has to be a perfect antibody. It's got to be able to recognize the whole thing that comes through that barrier, the whole virus, the whole bacteria, not just one little piece of it, you see, Mm -hmm. because those bacteria and those viruses, they get mutated over time by nature. So if you're just injecting something into the body to create one little piece of it and that piece changes then the antibody isn't good anymore. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't give you any protection at all. Mm. But even worse, the antibodies that are created by it are now what are called suboptimal antibodies. So they still have the ability to bind to whatever it is that got in you, the virus or the bacteria, but they bind to it in such a way that it actually makes it easier for that virus to attack other cells so we were told that oh if you know if if everybody gets the shot it's going to get us to herd immunity and we'll get out of this mess and the pandemic will end right well you know i'm sure you're, you're familiar with the term herd immunity that was talked about i'll explain to you how that works the only way that we could ever get to herd immunity is if enough of the population has the ability to not get infected, you see. Mm -hmm. So by people repeatedly going out and getting these shots, the shots are destroying the level of protection against infection. And that protection of infection doesn't have anything to do with antibodies. It's cellular. It is completely cellular. Antibodies are not even involved in it. Hmm. Again, the antibody is there to react to the infection after it happens, not prevent the infection. So the prevention is cellular, as I said. So basically, I mentioned that there's a barrier that separates the inside of you from the outside. It's called an epithelial barrier. It starts with your skin, of course, that separates the outside from the inside. And then that transitions into your mouth, through your esophagus, all the way through your intestinal tract and out the other end. It also lines your genitourinary tract and the reproductive tract and your ears and the coverings on your eyes. So basically anything that has contact with the outside world, that is called the epithelium or the epithelial barrier. So. If anything is going to infect you or hurt you, it's got to get through that barrier, you see. Now, guarding that barrier, literally guarding it just underneath it, there are very specialized cells of your immune system. They have fancy names, but they're not really that hard to understand. One of them is called a natural killer cell. 
Another one is called a dendritic cell. And another one is called a cytotoxic T cell. And what's so fascinating about these cells, Tony, is they have the ability to look inside of those cells that are making up the epithelial barrier, and they can determine if there's a virus in there or not. If there is a virus in there, then these cells have the ability to destroy those epithelial cells. They will destroy them before the virus or the toxin or the bacteria ever gets in you, you see. Yeah. That is the true level of protection. That is protection of infection. But what, what we found with these mRNA technology shots, and this is absolutely shocking, and we, and we know this because we counted the number of those cells, those natural killer cells, the T cells, the dendritic cells. Mm -hmm. They all drop in numbers after you get these shots. Oh, so you're, you're literally making yourself more likely to get infected is by it getting a, is, shots. Is it a temporary drop? Or does no. do, do they do they upload again, or is that it? They they take down the the first line of defense, so to speak. Well, if you if you get if you get one shot, yeah. uh, they drop and then they do start to replenish. But okay. with people getting repeated booster shots, it's tearing uh, it down. It's yeah, it's just it's it's tearing it down, and it's it's a it's a major problem. Absolutely and, amazing. And problem. and they're, and they're teeing up a whole bunch of mRNA shots for people for the listeners are, that are going to come in. Now. Hey, I wanted to ask you before I forget. I saw a number of videos from coroners. I don't know if you saw any of these, and they were doing. They were showing these. I don't know if it's real or not. I I don't. You know, it, I see a lot of stuff on my channels, and people send me stuff, and and I see stuff and. You know, I I would have to verify this with a coroner, um, but it it was a number of different coroners who were doing autopsies and pulling these weird, rubbery-looking uh, plots out of people. I mean, they're really gross, and yeah. they don't and they and they're they're going on record. They're saying they're saying who they are, where they do autopsies, in what county, and they're saying, you know, I am finding these. Um, this is not normal. I am finding right. these in this vaccinated person um, and, and they're, I mean, they're not small, they're really big and long and it just, it kind of grosses you out. And I'm like, I wonder, I wanted to ask you about that. If you've seen anything, if you have a take on that, is that what's really going on? I mean, I wasn't surprised, but I was a little taken back by the visual. Cause it's like, Whoa, is that what's going on with people right now? That is, that is not good. Yeah. So I actually do have a vial of those, uh, stringy clots they look like calamari yeah and, they uh, do it was, it was, yeah it was given to me by uh, by dr ryan cole and yeah this is a real thing and it is happening Ugh. and the reason is because like i said the uh the protein that's created by this mrna shot the covid 19 shot specifically uh it has what are called pseudouridines in it it's a man-made uh, uh product uh that makes the mrna last longer and so that's a problem because we know that the uh, the spike protein that's, that's created by the shot, mm -hmm. when it starts sticking to your blood vessel walls, it also sticks to uh, red blood cells that can be uh, cruising by, and it starts to cause these little microclots, they're called. Mm -hmm. And that can also lead to pathology, but that that's a different thing that we'll talk about in just a minute. But the point is I'm trying to make um, – when your body starts to build up those clots, uh, the body doesn't like that. So it, it wants to get rid of them. And it starts uh, using uh, fibrin to break those clots down. Well, unfortunately, with this uh, pseudouridine that's in that spike protein, the clots don't break down uh, the way they normally do. They turn into what's called amyloid-like fibrils. And these start to join together. And over time, it builds up those long, stringy clots that you see being pulled out of people. So, yeah, it's a real thing. Hmm. And uh, it is it is creating pathology because uh, the first uh, uh, condition that results in any chronic disease is called ischemia. And ischemia basically means that you're not getting the proper amount of oxygen and nutrients uh, flowing to the tissues of an organ. 
it's it's blocked for some reason. It's and it could be these uh, microclots that are coming from the shots and also the buildup of the uh, the amyloid fibrils uh, that you're talking about. These long stringy clots. So that definitely reduces the amount of blood that's going to get to your uh, tissue organs, and over time pathology will develop a chronic disease will develop how long does that take two to five years where are mm. we now we're about two years from uh when this shot started going into hundreds of millions of people all across the world and now we're starting to see uh these chronic diseases that are starting to show up basically nowhere well we're two years in and my the, the member at the club has gone to you know 15 funerals in the past year i mean it's like so yeah. it's obviously starting to happen i um, mean it's terrible news but you know i have i've had a number of people on i've had a number of people on that have taken the vaccine and regretted it because of right. reactions what is what is as from a chiropractor point of view if you had a patient that took it let's say they just took one you know um, and they're listening to this show or they, <clears throat> excuse me, they woke up and went, oh my God, what did I do? Hopefully I didn't get one of the really bad vials. You know, I think they're tracking the vials and the people that have been injured. So I think they're, you know, I think there was some slightly different ingredients and some have had more of a reaction, some batches than others for whatever reason. I think maybe it's, you know, they're just, it could be reacting in a slightly different way. Maybe there's a little more of X instead of Y or whatever. But what would be your your coaching as a as a chiropractor if somebody took it? You know, maybe they feel a little off, but they don't they don't feel so off where they're like, you know, I'm I'm hospitalized or I know something bad happened, but they're they're left with this lingering kind of oh shit, what did I do? Um, yeah. I, I I wish I didn't get it. I I I feel okay, but I'm you know I'm young or whatever. But is there things I can do? to detox or help restore my immune system because i don't like leaving people feeling despaired and there's an awful lot of people out there that took the shot you know and hopefully yeah. not hopefully not four or five of them like some people i know hopefully they stopped at one or two at the most but for the people that got it have some regret or waking up don't want to get any more but also or you know that maybe they're worried like oh i i want to run but is that safe like what what is safe for me right now what's going on inside my body um, yeah. and what can they do to kind of start to build some foundational health back or to to kind of fight back against uh, against that especially when they feel like, oh, I made a big mistake. And even thinking I screwed up and made a mistake on my health can also cause problems. You start thinking like, you know, you, you can make yourself sick that way, but I don't want to minimize this mRNA and what it might be doing. And I want, you know, what are the resources people can look to protocols or whatever uh, that you've come across that might be like people are getting results or I would go this way if it happened to one of my loved ones. Yeah. So the first thing you should do is, uh, get a couple of simple blood tests. Um, one is called a D-dimer test, uh, and the other is called a troponin level check. The D-dimer test you can order yourself online through uh, uh, walkinlab.com or any other uh, website that lets you order your own blood work, and they'll send you the paperwork, and you can walk into a lab, and you know, 15 minutes later, you're going to know if your D-dimer levels are elevated or not. Mm -hmm. If your D-dimer levels are elevated, that is indication that you've got excess clotting going on in your body, and so you've got to stop that right away. Uh, there are a couple of natural products that you can take uh, to help with that. One is called uh, natokinase. Uh, you can get it at a health food store, just any uh, natural products that contain a lot of natokinase. You can also eat those or just buy the natokinase at the health food store and use that as a supplement mm. because that will help you to break down those clots naturally in your body. Another product you can take for that is called Cardio Miracle. Uh, it's a natural uh, product that increases nitric oxide production in your bloodstream. And that definitely helps with the elasticity of your blood vessels and prevents those spike proteins that we talked about from sticking to your blood vessel walls. That's great. So that's a couple of things that you can do right there. But I also mentioned you want to check your uh, troponin. I'm not sure that you can order a troponin check by yourself. Uh, you'll probably have to go see uh, a doctor to have them 
uh, right in order to get a troponin level check done. But mm -hmm. that one's really important because if you have elevated troponin, that is definite indication that you've had heart damage, without a doubt. It's a okay. very highly accurate test. And so as long as your troponin level has not been elevated, you can safely exercise. Mm. And you mentioned, you know, like running. So that's very important. You have got to exercise uh, as long as you don't have myocarditis. Because yep. that, that can put you in a world of hurt. Yep. Uh, and a troponin level check is is one indicator of, you know, what could be a possibly myocarditis. But anyway, you've got to, you've got to exercise, get that heart rate up. That gets that uh, uh, blood and oxygen and nutrients moving to all parts of your body, all cells of the body, all tissues, and also helps to uh, remove the toxins. And even if you can't uh, vigorously exercise, just move. You got to move your body. Uh, that's how your lymphatic system is actually able to help eliminate toxins from your body. So if you're not moving, you're not making any of that happen at all. Right. And you will continue to deteriorate. What do you and like? So, to, what do you like to do in that area? Are you like Tai Chi or yoga? What What is your movement uh, modality that you that you like? Well, I just, uh, I fast walk and jog is okay. what I do. I'm yeah. 65 years old and I get out and do that for, you know, at least an hour, uh, three or four times a week. That's uh, great. Yeah, Absolutely. Religiously, I do that and I, I try to get my heart rate up uh, to the maximum rate for my age, which for me is 160 beats per minute. So yeah. I, I get it. I get it up there. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, try to try to sustain it there for a couple of minutes at least. And well, so the next thing you want to do is check your vitamin D level. Mm. Uh, vitamin D is critically important for the strength of the uh, uh, epithelial barrier that we talked about. Yep. Uh, if your vitamin D levels are low, you will have uh, more severe symptoms when you have an experience with a virus, any virus, whether it's COVID virus or uh, you know a, a flu virus or an upper respiratory virus. If your vitamin D levels aren't are up there, you're going to have worse symptoms. That's a fact. That's a known fact. Mm -hmm. So that's easy to check also. And if your vitamin D is low, then you can easily supplement that. So another thing you want to do is, uh, you know, make sure you have uh, uh, a good diet of uh, organic foods. We need to get away from these processed foods that are in our supermarkets because they're tainted with glyphosate. And glyphosate is a very, very powerful antibiotic. And if we're consuming uh, too much food that is tainted with glyphosate, we start to destroy the normal flora that's in our gut lining. And that also helps keep a strong epithelial barrier, you see. Yeah. So if that epithelial barrier gets weak, then it makes it easier for things to get through there and, uh, you know, cause you harm. So, yeah, eat as much uh, natural organic foods as you as you possibly can. I know it's expensive, uh, but, you it's know, that's, that's one way out of this mess. Now, another yeah. thing that that you should do if you think you have been uh, hurt by a vaccine or maybe you have long COVID. OK, the reason for that is your body is is continuing to make the spike protein. For whatever reason. So you got to get that stopped. So basically what's happening is, uh, Tony, our, the cells of our body are protein manufacturing facilities. That's what they do all day long. They're just cranking out proteins all the time. And so if you've been injected with this mRNA product that has uh, that synthetic mRNA in there, that it's not designed to normally break down, your body will continue to make spike proteins. So you've got to get that stopped. Mm -hmm. And the best way to do that is to go on a three-day water fast. Or you can do uh, what's called intermittent fasting, uh, which basically means that every day uh, you have to not eat for 16 hours. Mm -hmm. So you would, you would have your last meal at like 5 p.m. and then you don't eat the next day until 16 hours after that. And you have to religiously stick to that. And why does that work? Because it forces your body into what's called autophagy. And autophagy is uh, when the cells of your body 
kind of back off on their protein manufacturing process and they start to encapsulate those proteins in what are called endosomes and eliminate them from your body as waste products. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a house cleaning uh, 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 thing that your body can go through, but you have to force it there by going into what's called autophagy. And then there's also a, a resource that I like to tell people to go to. It's called uh, flccc.net. That's the uh, the frontline critical care uh, doctors, uh, flccc.net. They have some protocols on there specifically for people uh, who think that they've been injured by a shot or think that they have long COVID. Now, some of those uh, protocols that are on there, you could do yourself. Uh, as I mentioned with, uh, fasting, for example, and supplements that I mentioned. Uh, but there are also some protocols on there that would require you to, uh, work with a physician. Mm. And so I like to tell people, you know, if something goes wrong with your body, you need to become an expert on it. You need yep. to do as much research as you possibly can and figure out what methods could possibly, uh, work to treat this and then try to work with a doctor that's willing to work with you and help you through that journey. That and might be hard. That might be harder to find that person than you think, right? I mean, yeah, it is, it is hard. Uh, and then, 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 the, the naturopathic doctors, I think are much more in alignment with this philosophy. You know, they're, they're, they've studied it the same way. I think a lot of physicians right. are like, well, that doesn't fit the model I use. And they're not so quick to throw big pharma under the bus for all the reasons that we know, you know? And so, um yeah yeah you so you have to if you're if you're you know stuck on the medical doctor thing and you don't want to go to a chiropractor or you know a naturopath or a homeopath mm-hmm. and you you still think that you know somehow the guy in the white lab coat is smarter than you they're really not right but you need to find one of those doctors that practices what's called integrative medicine now or functional medicine okay and these are doctors that are more inclined to help you through a journey and look at uh, natural ways of, of dealing with uh, a thing rather than, you know, immediately jumping on the pharmaceutical bandwagon. So yeah, yeah. yeah there's definitely a shift in medicine right now, which is a good thing. Absolutely. Well, Kevin, this has been a super valuable episode. Um, I'm so pleased with your knowledge of, of everything that we talked about and all the resources you mentioned. I think you're the first person that really found some specific supplements and some things that can really help. Um, and I know my listeners, there's plenty of them that are probably in the situation we talked about, like, what do I do now? Uh, you know, I haven't been injured as far as I know, but I want to get my health back in order. So thank you for that. Where yeah, can sure. people, where can people find, uh, your, your Substack or your website? What have you got going on that you'd like our listeners to know about? Where can they find you in your work? Yeah. So, uh, the Substack that I write is called, uh, Dr. Kevin Stillwagon dot Substack dot com. And uh, I actually wrote a book, Tony, back in 1984 called The Silent Killers. Hmm. And it was about the dangers of vaccines and also the dangers of losing uh, our medical freedom. So I was way ahead of the curve. On this thing. <laughs> well, yeah, and it, it's a it's a little ironic that it was in 1984 Orwell's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Ex- exactly. And, you know, there was there was uh, something else that happened in 1984. This was actually entered into the Federal Register of our United States government. And it clearly states in this, uh, this happened on June the 1st of 1984. It says that um, anything that would, uh, actually, I wrote the words down. Let me read them exactly what it says. It says, any possible doubts, whether or not well-founded about the safety of vaccines, shall not be allowed to exist. Mm. That happened in 1984, and that's exactly why we're in the censorship problem that we're in today. Anything that's published that promotes what's called vaccine hesitancy, the the government doesn't want that to be in print, and they don't want people to see that. So that's what my book was about. It was about the dangers of vaccines. So I couldn't get anybody to publish that book. So I had to self-publish it, which I did. And so what I'm doing on Substack now is I, I'm republishing the entire book chapter by chapter. And so you can read it there for free. 
And so if you're concerned about the safety of these vaccines for your child, you, you can look up each one of them. I, I talk about every single childhood vaccine uh, in depth and give you the reasons why you should think about this before you inject your child. Let me give you a real good example. It's the polio shot. And, you know, that when, when a parent hears polio, they, it, it just sends chills down their spine because they immediately picture their child being in crutches or, you know, being paralyzed. Well, you, you can actually look up uh, what happens with a polio virus infection on the CDC website. And here's what it says. 70% of all polio virus infections, and I mean a real infection, the virus actually got through that epithelial barrier and it's in you. 70% of those infections are completely asymptomatic. Mm -hmm. You don't even know you had the infection. The cellular protection that you have was able to stop it before you even develop symptoms. And what's marvelous about that is you will have uh, protection of infection for the rest of your life. You will never have to worry about it ever again. That's 70%. 24% of the infections have symptoms of the common cold. About 4% have a temporary paralysis that will resolve on its own within a few days. And it's less than 1% of the population that will develop some kind of a permanent paralysis. Mm. And guess which 1% that is? It's people that are either malnourished or have depressed immune systems. Yeah. And that's why it clearly states, Tony, on every single vaccine package insert that you will ever read on contraindications for a shot, it will say, don't ever put this in a person who is immunocompromised mm -hmm. if they have low immunity. Why? Because their immune system can't handle it. So what are we doing? We are trying to inject everyone and putting everyone at risk, trying to protect the less than 1%. Mm -hmm. yeah. What we should be doing is trying to make the less than 1% look like the rest of us. How do we make those people healthy? How do we build up their defenses so that they don't get sick? That's what we should be doing. Yeah. And it's also important to know, Tony, that every communicable disease, I don't care what it is, even rabies, every communicable disease is treatable. You can treat these diseases. You don't have to inject something into your body, putting yourself at risk, trying to create an antibody that isn't going to protect you anyway. Right. You see what I'm saying? So I there's, there's got to be a total shift in the way people think about communicable diseases. Well, I, I think that, like to your point earlier, people are looking at all of this differently. I think just the way everything's gone down, how how the mRNA didn't protect people from getting it, uh, and now all the adverse reactions and the sudden death and the myocarditis – um, yeah, I think it's going to transform how people view health and yeah. medicine moving forward. It's bound to, I know just, you know, people that aren't the most, you know, unconventional thinkers or outside the box thinkers, even they are like looking at it all going, wait a minute, I gotta, yeah. I gotta rethink all of this now because yeah. I, I'm not so sure about these guys. So, but yeah. Kevin, I just want to wrap this up. Thank you so much for coming on Base Camp for Men and sharing your insight and wisdom. Really great episode with lots of great resources. So thank you for your time. And I just want to commend you like for all the work you've done. Uh, thanks for all the, the safe flights and uh, just every, everything you've done uh, to help humanity in, in, in this pandemic, being a voice of reason and a voice of science against all of the, uh, you know, trust us, we're the science. So thank you so much. I uh, really appreciate it and really appreciate your time today. Thank you very much, Tony. I appreciate the opportunity.
Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Wow, what a wealth of information he is regarding how to recover from the experimental jab. This was exactly the information I was hoping to discover with you. You can find Kevin at his substack at drkevinstillwagon.substack.com and at his Rumble channel at rumble.com slash kevinstillwagon. The tests he mentioned are the D-dimer test to see if you have excess blood clotting and the troponin level test to check your heart. And the supplements he mentioned are nanokinase to help with blood clotting and cardio miracle to help increase nitrous oxide in the bloodstream. Thank you, base campers. We'll see you around the fire next week. If you find value in our show and wish to show us some love, we are now making that very easy to do. You simply go to www.basecampformen.com and click on Donate Support Basecamp. You'll find an easy way to make either monthly donations for as little as $5 a month, or you can donate just once. We love the monthly donation and hope to build this up over the coming months, but any show of support is greatly appreciated, honestly. Thank you for your support and for helping to keep Basecamp as a resource on your hero's journey. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Men, good luck in all your endeavors and good luck on your hero's journey. This is Tony Rezac and you're listening to Basecamp for Men.